You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created on heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. In him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead, that in everything he will be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven making peace. By the blood of the cross, him we proclaim. So when we started this process a couple of years ago, I, I kind of cast the, the vision for our goal as a church uh, over the next 20 years is to do one of these a year. So if there's 2,000 people groups in the world that don't have the scripture, in the next 20 years, CBC, we're gonna take care of 20 of them, right? I mean, that leaves only 1,980 left, right? And so someone else can pick up that slack too. But that, that for us, for a little church meeting in Savannah, Georgia, I think that in eternity, y'all, uh, man, that, that's gonna have huge impact for this little body to be able to do that, to provide people. We take for granted the scriptures, we do, let's be honest. Um, and, uh, and for people to not, that don't have it to, to get it, it's such a privilege to be a part of this process. And so we're excited about it uh, and doing this every year. Uh, for those who came to our member meeting last week, uh, we kind of shared, you know, we're, we're, our budget goes up every year towards missions giving and we're trying to give away 600,000 plus dollars next year to missions and, and to seeing people so uh, come to, come into uh, Christ and church planning. And so uh, it's exciting to be part of that. So um, we're excited to, to partner with, with Wycliffe and Kirk, and he's gonna keep picking people groups for us, and we're gonna keep doing it. So um, I'm excited about what God does today. So let me pray for our time in the scriptures, and then we will jump in. Father, uh, I am thankful um, that you have given us uh, yourself, that you have uh, revealed yourself through the word of God, that it is perfect and true and it is a delight. Uh, it is literally your, your, your breath. It is God-breathed. It is your uh, heart for us to know you and to know uh, what uh, we need to know, what we need to do, uh, your character, the finished work of Jesus, so many things. And so uh, we're thankful, thankful that we were uh, dead and now we're alive. We were alienated and now we are reconciled and that came through Jesus. And so uh, we gather in his name to be built uh, as a holy priesthood, a, a royal a nation, uh, priests to be doing your work and declaring your excellencies. And so as we kind of come to your scripture, and this is a challenging passage, not because it's difficult to understand, but because we don't always do it. I just pray for help in communicating in a way that your church is built, that they are lifted up, uh, and, and made more like you. I pray your spirit would fall on me and, and fill me. I do pray for our team that's in Africa this morning. 
already worshiped this morning and probably will in a few hours tonight. Uh, just, just use them to encourage the church in Uganda and Rwanda. Protect them uh, as the second team goes this Friday and just bring fruit in that partnership as we together uh, seek to honor you uh, as your people across even the oceans. So we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are in Colossians chapter four. So if you have a Bible, uh, Colossians four. If you have an app, Colossians four. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, take one in the seat in front of you or you can follow on the screen. Uh, I do wanna encourage you, if you don't have a hard copy or a, an app, to, to start using that as we kind of follow along. You can take notes, you can write in it. Uh, it helps you and trains you to actually uh, be in the scripture for yourself, which is what the goal is. So uh, let me encourage you that way. So I was reading an article this past Sunday, this, not this past Sunday, this past week uh, on Americans and gift cards. Apparently these are, we have an addiction to them apparently because we spend billions on gift cards. Uh, but one of the interesting things I read in this, in this article was that out of all the billions, and there's billions of gift cards bought every year, that over $1 billion in gift cards go unused. One billion, B, billion. So there's many, you know, chai tea lattes from Starbucks or, you know, junk at Target or whatever that, that's just not being purchased. It's just sitting in your, probably in your wallet as we speak, right? Unused. And so a few weeks ago, I experienced this. So me and one of the other elders, our family, we went out to eat. We got to eat Sunday nights. And I was like, uh, where are we gonna go? I said, I think I have a gift card to Carabas. I think, because I had gotten a new wallet a few months ago and I treated all the junk that was in that wallet. I kind of just moved it over thinking, I wouldn't keep this if it didn't have anything on it. Would I? Yeah, I would. But anyways, throw it in there. So we're in the, in the restaurant. And before we order, because this is important, because before you order, a sweet tea or a water, you gotta know how much money you got, right? And so I said, let me just check this gift card because it might have $3 on it. I have no clue. So it's all faded, you know, it's all like, you barely see the colors. One of the numbers is, is, is not even legible. I guessed it looked like an eight or a two or a three and I got, I got it right. And so I, I'm gonna hit that check balance. And there's just a fear in my soul, a little trepidation, right? Anxiety as I hit that and you see the little spinning thing. And then all of a sudden, it was like angels singing in the Carabas. It said, balance $88. I was like, this is a glorious night. The Lord has shown us favor. The Lord let your light shine upon us. I said, no water for us people. We're having sweet tea. You can even order the brownie as dessert, right? It's lasagna on the, we don't have to split meals, right? And, and the billion dollars of wasted gift cards, not mine. Used it up, right? Here's, I, as I tell that story, I, I thought about that when I came to this passage because God has given us as people a powerful tool, a gift card. Got 88 bucks on it, man. You can buy anything you want at the Carabas. And the sad thing is, I think a lot of us, it's sitting in our wallets and we never use it. It goes unused. What is that, that gift card? What is that gift? That's what we're gonna talk about today as we kind of unpack these next four or five verses in Colossians 4. Uh, and really, more importantly, how do we use this card, All right? So where we've been, first two chapters of Colossians really about the centrality of who Jesus is and what, he, what he's accomplished. He's the firstborn of all creation. By him, through him, for him are all things. He reconciled us to himself, 
right? We were alienated. He nailed all our sins to his, cro- to his cross. All these things. And then chapter three and four kind of say, okay, in light of what he's done, here's how I want you to live. I want you to put off the old. I want you to put on the new. Here's what it looks like in your homes. Here's what it looks like at work. Today, it's here's what it looks like. How do we have an impact beyond that? So we've, we've kind of gone from home, work. Now he's like, now I want you to impact the world. And I've given you a gift card. You get the Caesar salad, you get the lasagna, you get the sweet tea, you get the brownie. But you gotta use it. So what is that gift card? What is that tool that God has given us to make this impact? It's our words. It's our, it's our lips. It's our mouth. We all got it. We all have the potential, right? But do we use it or is it sitting in our wallet? So we're gonna look at how to do it. And then really, this is a straightforward passage. There's no hidden meaning. There's no Greek, whatever, that's like confusing. This is a very straightforward, clear to understand passage. But that, the problem is not the, the clarity. The problem is that we don't often do it. And then because we don't, there's guilt. And, and I don't want this to be a guilt message. I don't want you to leave, yeah, I'm so bad. Woe is me, I never do that. What I want us to see is when you get a gift card and you find you have $88 on it, you're like, this is stinking awesome. We're going out. That's what I want. I want us being excited about the opportunities that God has given us in front of us, all right? So let's put the guilt and the shame aside, acknowledge, yeah, we're broken, we do things, but let's, let's move forward, all right? So there's two areas, two ways we use our, our mouth, our words that, that God has given us that we can impact and we can have an eternal impact. The first is this, it's our words to God. It's our words to God. So he starts off in Colossians 4. He says, Continue steadfastly in prayer. All right, the word for continue steadfastly is actually one word in the Greek. Uh, it, it's it's, a, two, it's a, a compound word. You got a prefix and a main verb. The prefix means to move towards something. The main verb means to stay still and to be steady and to be strong. And it's this idea of, of devotion. Some of your translations actually say be devoted. It's about being committed, right? Be committed, be devoted to prayer. He's saying, keep using this card. And we get the idea of what a commitment is, right? Of being steady, about being uh, in. And, and in earlier, and sorry, Talavo, I'm just gonna have to call you out on this one. This is, if you don't know Talavo, Talavo is the most loyal dude you would ever meet. And he is a Gamecock fan. Through thick and thin, he is a Gamecock fan. They could have negative wins in a season, which may happen, and he is faithful. He is steadfast. He is a rock, right? He knows that they're going to win four games, and that's a good season. He knows that, but he is still loyal, right? He is, he's committed. That's this word. It's you are committed even when there's difficulty, even when there's struggles. And the reason why I think Paul, the reason why Paul has to encourage us, be committed to what? Our words to God, to prayer, is because he knows we're not. Because he knows it's hard. It's not like if you're a Christian, you're surprised by this. You're not like, wow, you mean I was supposed to be talking to God? Never knew that, thanks for telling me. It's not a shock. It's just we stink at it, right? I mean, if I ask for a raise of hands, I'm not gonna do this, but if I said, okay, all those folks in this room that are devoted, that are, that are committed steadfastly in prayer, please, please come down front. There'd be like four of y'all. And, and the reality is all four of them probably really are. It's not that they're arrogant or proud. It's just if you're committed to prayer, you know it. 
You just do. And the rest of us be like, no, me myself included. Because it's hard. And let me give you just a couple reasons why I think it's hard, why there is a struggle. Number one is because prayer is about dependence and we are an independent group of people, right? I mean, we, are the, we have the declaration of independence and we have our bill of our rights. We are just like a 13-year-old, and if you have teenagers, you've seen this, you go to a 13-year-old and say, I want you to do this. It's my life. I know what I'm doing. Yes, you do, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is, 27-year-olds are the same way. It's my life, I know what I'm doing. And 45-year-olds, it's my life. And 65-year-olds, the only difference between the 13-year-old and the 65-year-old is you have more money, right? But, but we have this idea, it's my, my job, it's my money, it's my relationship, it's I know what I'm doing. And so we are so independent that we don't pray because we don't see a need. And, and the half-brother of Jesus, James, when he writes his book, he's, he just kind of shakes his head when we do that. He says, come now, you who say, today we're gonna go to this, and tomorrow we're gonna go to this, and we're gonna get this job, and we're gonna go do all these things. He said, that's just dumb, because you don't even know what your life is like tomorrow. It's a vapor. And people who know that their life is a vapor know that they need a God, and there's dependence. So I think that's one reason. I think another reason is because there's reality is it's a spiritual battle, and the enemy does not want us to pray, which is why Paul says, continue steadfast in prayer, being watchful, right? Being alert, and the idea behind this is not just like I'm staying up all night, I got, I got toothpicks, or like some of you guys that stayed up way too late last night watching LSU, dominate the satanic Alabama. Right, you're, you're right now, you're like, keep your eyes open. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a spiritual alertness. It's kind of like Spider-Man. You know how Spider-Man, he goes into the place and all of a sudden he gets the little spidey sense. He's like, something's up. He knows that something's under the radar. That's this. It's that you know that, yes, there's something under the radar. Not that there's a demon under every rock, but there is a lion that's seeking to devour you. And so your kids, so you're gonna be alert and praying for your children because they are being sold lie after lie after lie. And you're praying for your spouse because she's being sold or he's being sold lie after lie after lie. And so there's all these, you're you're aware of of what's going on behind the scenes. The problem is we're not. That's why we don't pray. And Piper says so well that it's because we have a peacetime mentality and it's not peacetime, it's wartime. Right, it's actually, it's battle time. Peacetime comes later. For those of you who are veterans, again, happy Veterans Day. And those who are, have children who are uh, maybe overseas, you get the idea of when, you're not, when you send your 20-year-old to Afghanistan, there's a different way you pray than if you send him to Chick-fil-A, right? It's just a different deal because he's in the enemy territory. And that's what Paul is saying. You gotta be alert because you're in enemy territory. And that's, what, that's one of the reasons we don't. We don't pray. In fact, Spurgeon says it so well. I love this quote. He says, prayer pulls the rope below and the great bell rings above in the ears of God. Some scarcely steer the bell for they pray so languidly. Others give but an occasional pluck at the rope. But he who wins with heaven is the man who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continuously with all his might. See, I think that most of us are just, we're just, you know, traveling mercies, ding, ding, ding. You know, whatever traveling mercies are. Right, uh, meal time. Ding, 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 ding. We're not we're not constantly boldly pulling the rope and ringing the bell. And I think that 
the, the reason is, another reason we don't pray is we're satisfied with our level of intimacy with God right now. You're fine. Yeah, a little church on Sunday, a little community group once in a while, maybe. Maybe a little BSF, maybe a little whatever. But the, the, we're, just, we're just satisfied. And we're satisfied because we do not grasp, and I don't know if we can completely, but we should at least sufficiently grasp God's affection for his children. I mean, this is the motivation. God, how he feels about his children. What did Jesus teach about, about prayer? First of all, we address God as father, which is huge. But then he tells all sorts of parables, right? About uh, a guy who's, someone's knocking on his door at 2 a.m., his, his neighbor, annoying him, like, wake up, I need food. Or, or a, a widow who is banging on a judge's door, constantly wanting protection. Just this persistence. If you have kids, you get this, right? Kids have no filter. Like three-year-old doesn't know what the difference between 2 a.m. and 2 p.m. is. So a three-year-old comes in your room with his little blankie, mom, dad, I need water. I need light. I'm hungry. There's something in my closet. They don't care that it's 2 a.m. Or if they want something, like my, my son last week, my youngest, uh, we found this old iPod and we're trying to get it to work and we had a passcode, we couldn't figure it out. So I'm, I'm texting my son up in college, like, hey, do you know what the passcode is? And, and I kept telling my youngest, I'm like, okay, I'm trying to figure it out. He's asking me every hour, did you get it figured out? 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 Figure it out? <laughs> He's texting me at work on his, my mom, his, his mom's phone. Did you get it figured out? This is true. And I'm like, finally, like, buddy, I know. And no, I didn't get it figured out because I'm not God and I'm not Steve Jobs either. Okay, and there's a password on this thing and we don't know who it is and so it's done. But the point is, I get annoyed after the 53rd time. God the Father says, you can't even possibly annoy me. You just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming and keep seeking and keep knocking, right? Because the Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked but he delights, he delights in the prayer of the upright. Think about that, that God delights in you and maybe that's hard for you to believe because you know you and you're like, I don't even like me. I know my propensities, I know my sin, I know the thoughts of my heart, but that God would delight in his people. Yeah, it, it, that's why I think he says uh, to be, and be thankful that you would grasp these things, right? That you would see, Zephaniah, one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament, the Lord your God is in your midst. He's a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you. Literally, he will shout over you with loud singing. Your father in heaven doesn't shout at you. You may have had a dad who shouted at you. You may be a dad who shouts at your kids, but God the Father doesn't shout at us. He shouts over us. That's how he feels. And he's always available. You can't get anybody on the phone these days, right? If you try to call the power company, press one for this. Do you have a problem with your bill? Press three. Sorry, we're at lunch. I mean, you go through, that's why when I get, I just hit zero a whole time. Zero, zero, eventually like stop hitting zero. We'll get you, right? Because you gotta get a voice. It's impossible to talk to anybody. It's not impossible with your heavenly father. He says, bring it, always. You don't get put on hold, there's no voicemail, right? And so what we wanna do, just, just very simply, 
I was like, we want to continue. We want to be devoted as a people. One of our specs, where we gather to equip, we grow into these five core values, scripture, prayer, engage with the culture, community, stewardship. That P is prayer, right? We want to, we want to grow in this area. And so I, 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 want to be, I want to be super practical because I don't want to be like, yeah, we ought to pray. And you go home and you, like, you pray with your wife for like one day and you're like, okay, we prayed. And then it, it doesn't go anywhere. My wife sent me a little, a little meme this week, a little great quote. I wrote it down. It says, motivation gets you going, habit gets you there. Uh, we often will gather and there's motivation. Yeah, God wants us to pray. Yes, he's great. He's loving. He wants to draw us. Yes, but then it doesn't go anywhere. And so we need to build a discipline, a habit, so that it becomes part of our life. And so here's just some thoughts for you. If you have like zero prayer life except for traveling mercies and lunch at Baldino's or whatever, um, maybe you would set apart this week just three times, 15 minute little times, right? You can put it on your, your Apple uh, you know, device right now or your whatever. Type it in, you know, okay, I know I have Wednesday. I got 15 minutes. doesn't have to be long. We think prayers have to be long. Right? Prayer doesn't have to be long. In fact, Spurgeon says that prayer should be short, your heart should be fervent. One of our elders says that, that short prayers are good, long prayers better be. Okay, so you don't, you're not impressing God. But you would set apart just 15 minutes. Maybe it's on your commute to work. Turn off the radio. Maybe you go for a walk. You get a double exercise, which some of y'all need anyway, and you get to pray. Spiritual and physical exercise. Right? Or maybe you at lunch two times this week. You just, you just go up to one of the squares or you go out to whatever and you just pray and you just lay yourself open before God and you tell him where you're at and what, you, what you're thinking and ask for guidance and ask for help because I got chaos over here. Look, we tell everyone else what we want. We tell everyone else what we need. You tell your best friend, your spouse. You tell them all those things. They can't do anything about it. Why not tell the sovereign? Why not ask him? Right? Maybe you would, you know, set up a specific day. Okay, Tuesdays I'm praying for the kids. And Wednesdays I'm praying for my spouse. And Friday I'm praying for the... Just set a rhythm. Make it part of your rhythm. It, it, it's not enough to be motivated. You have to get into the habit. Right? Pray in a way that God would move. Are you... Would you be okay? Think about this. Would you be okay to go your whole life with very limited experiences with God where you see his hand move. I mean, you've got 80 years, 85 years. Would you be okay looking back over your life and you never saw God move in a way that you're like, that was a God thing. I'm not talking about you raising somebody from the dead or something like that. I'm not talking about that. But I'm just, where you're laying yourself open and God clearly spoke. He clearly led through the scripture. He clearly moved in this direction. So you're like, the God thing. Would you be okay with that as a Christian? I hope not, right? I hope not. So pray things that, that are big because nothing's too big for God. And pray specifically for those around you. You have a unique opportunity to pray for those who are around you in your life because guess what? No one knows your kids like you know your kids. You know their weaknesses. You know their strengths. You know their propensities. You know your spouse. You know your boss. You know your kids' teachers. If you're not praying for your spouse, who is, right? If you're not praying for your kids, I mean, your youth leaders, yeah, maybe. Maybe if you have a Christian teacher, but if you're not praying for your kids, who is? If you're not praying for the elders of this church, 
who is. Right? And so the idea is, man, let's, let's continue steadfastly. Let's be devoted. And if you're like, what, what else should we pray for? He's gonna tell us. Paul says, hey, be praying. And he gives them what he's like, and while you're praying, throw one up for us. Right? He says, at the same time, pray for us. Now, remember where Paul is at this point. He is in prison. And he says it in, later in this verse. He's in prison. Literally, the word means he's in chains. So if you ever hear about Fowler getting locked up, the popo come to me, lock me up, and I, and I get to shoot an email out, hey, pray for me. I can tell you what I'm gonna be asking. It ain't gonna be this. It's gonna be like, pray for the, you know, all nines guy to get his tail down here and get me out of jail. Right? And bring me some pizza because this food's awful. That's what I'm gonna be praying. But this is why Paul is, is just amazing. He's sitting in prison. He's asking for prayer. And he says, here, here's what I want you to pray. Pray that God opens a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on, which, on account of which I am a prisoner. I'm in chains. And here's just a little side note. As you follow Jesus in this world, right, there's gonna be chains sometimes, metaphorically speaking. Now, for our partner in, in Asia who just got out of jail, she had literal chains. For, for this new project, if this person is translating gets, gets caught somehow, there's gonna be literal chains. But for us, it probably won't be, at least not right now. But there may be metaphorical changes because if, if your boss says, I want you to do this and it's not right and you say, no, I'm not gonna do this, you might have a chain where you get fired or you don't get the promotion or you're not going up the ladder anymore. Or maybe God is directing you in this way and your mama and your daddy have been so, they paid for all this money for college so you can go and be this and that and, and that's their dream for you but God's dream for you is different and it has nothing to do with the corporate ladder. That, that may cause some, some chainage at Christmas, right? Or if your boyfriend is asking you to compromise your purity and you say no and he says, well, we're done and there's that relational conflict and even that abandonment. But you know what? There should be, if you go through your entire life and you're following Jesus and there's never a, ch a chain, then there probably is a problem because you're supposed to be taking up your cross daily and following, Right? That's just kind of a side note. But here's the bigger question for us. Is what do we pray about? Right? Even if we are in a struggle. I just pray that, God, that you would just bless Georgia so that they can finally win the SEC and win the whole thing. No. I mean, that's fine. You pray that. That's not God's will, but you can pray it. <laughs> now, if you want to pray against Tom Brady, that is God's will. Because he is the devil. Okay? We as a people, this is where we tend to go. If, you're, if we're really honest, when the church gets together for macaroni casserole at the fellowship dinner and the prayer meeting, what's the first thing we pray for? Yes, Bobby, you got a prayer request. My aunt's sister's cousin has plantar fasciitis and it's really bad. Could you pray for her? Yes, we will pray for her. But you know what? If that's all we're praying for, plantar fasciitis, then we're missing it. And we should pray for sick people. You know why? The scripture tells us to pray for sick people. Jesus healed sick people. There's nothing wrong with praying for the sick. But here's the, the, here, here's the Debbie Downer reality. Whether it's tomorrow or in 100 years, there's gonna be a time where you don't get better that you go be with Jesus. That's just the reality unless he comes back. 
So we, our prayer has to be more than just the temporal, right? And so Paul says, here's what I want you to pray for. I want you to pray that, that I have an open door, that I have an opportunity to be a, a witness or to declare the mystery of Christ, to basically to point people to Jesus, Right? He's saying, I want to have an eternal impact. I even want these prison chains to bring somehow God an opportunity to open a door. And here's what I love about that. If, any, if ever anybody was good at ministry, it was Paul. Okay, he's pretty good. Right, kind of saw the risen Christ, wrote a bunch of Bible, pretty good at ministry. And he says, but I really can't do it unless God opens a door. And that's a, that's a great teaching thing for me and for you too because if you think, yeah, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna be this and I'm gonna use my gifts and I'm gonna be great and you think you're gonna do that on your own, you are ludicrous because unless the Lord builds the house, those who build labor in vain. If God doesn't open a door, I don't care how gifted you are, smart, how well-crafted your argument is or what you think you're gonna do, it is nothing, nada. And so Paul is modeling, hey, I need God to open a door so that I would speak forth the mystery of Christ. And then notice, I love this, that I'll be clear. Give me clarity. Just make, help me to be simple and clear because Paul sometimes is a little complex. He's a little wordy. Uh, but he says, I just need, even if anyone knows how to share the gospel, it's Paul. But he said, I, I, just, I need God not only to open a door, I need him to, to use my lips in a way that, that honor him, that it's clear. Some of you, this, this is a great, great idea for you to pray because you need to drop your southern Christianity Christianese because no one knows what the heck you're talking about, right? Pray for clarity and simplicity. Follow the Linus principle. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Everyone gets it, simple. I mean, you, some of you are all, well, the incarnated triune God who predestined me before the foundation of the world and his sovereignty, who wants to regenerate you by his propitiation so that the parousia will determine based on a good hermeneutic. And everyone's like, what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Simplicity, right? Here's simple. Sin, substitute, simple faith. I was a sinner. Jesus took my place substitute, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, whoever believes. Sin, substitute, simple faith. Super simple, right? That's clarity, that's what we ought to be praying for. And so what would happen if you started today praying, God, just heard Fowler preach an average sermon, but I think it was a good content on being a witness about having opportunities. So here I am, I work at Gulfstream, I work at SCAD, I work at Savannah Arts Academy, I work on Main Street, I work at my house. I want an opportunity this week somehow to, to be salt and light, to love someone, to speak the gospel, to encourage someone. God, will you please open that door for me? Do you think God's up in heaven saying, no, I'm more concerned about plantar fasciitis over here. I, I gotta really heal that plantar fasciitis. I don't, I don't want anyone to know about me, be loved by me, hear about the gospel. I don't want that. But their feet matter to me. Do you think that's how God is? He's like, no, if we ask anything according to his will, 
what does it say? He hears us. And we, if, we ask, if we know he hears us, then we know that we have the request which we've asked for him. You start praying, I promise you, on the authority of scripture, which I believe completely. You pray for an opportunity somehow to, to be a witness, to declare the mystery of Christ, to do whatever, you're gonna see it. What's gonna happen is you're gonna pray that and tomorrow afternoon someone's gonna come into the office and they're gonna be like, horrible weekend, teenager did this, wrecked a car, blah, 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 blah. And, and just start opening you know, their heart and you're gonna, you can say, man, that's that's." That's hard. Can I, can I pray for you? I'd love to pray for you right now. Boom, opportunity. Or someone's gonna come in, man, my girlfriend dumped me. And I just, oh, life could never go on. You're gonna be like, hey, man, come to my community group this week. Love to have you. Right? I mean, it's just gonna start, if you start looking, if you start praying. And there, the assumption here, do you think Paul believes that God is actually gonna do this? Isn't there an assumption that God hears prayer and he does something? Absolutely. Just looking for some folks to do it, right? We don't need any gimmicks. We don't need any more programs as a church. We don't need any more. We need to stay busy. The enemy doesn't fear our busyness. It's our prayers. In fact, another great quote from Spurgeon, he said, I would rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. That's a great thought from one of the best preachers who ever walked this planet, right? So we got a card in our wallet, y'all. It's got $88. There's lasagna with your name written on it with a Caesar salad, some sweet tea, and a nasty great chocolate brownie. You gonna let that go to waste? Right, pull it out, use it. God wants you to use your words to him. And then real quick, this is real simple and straightforward, your words to others. Your second, second tool Right, what does he say? Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. The idea of walk in wisdom is, again, it's, it's that lifestyle, but it's also living in light of that there is an eternity. Because I think some of us live in light of that there's not eternity. Live in light, walk in light towards outsiders of eternity, making the best use of time. That's his way of saying don't waste the card. Don't waste the time. It's not that he's against hobbies, God's not against hobbies, it's not against fun. He's just saying don't waste your hobbies. Don't waste the baby shower. Don't waste the golf game. Don't waste work. Don't waste these things. How do we not waste it? With the way we speak. Let your speech be, and there's two things, real quick. Gracious and salty. Not salty like a drill instructor, salty. But first, gracious. Your words matter. How you speak matters. They ought to be wholesome, they ought to be fitting, they ought to be gentle. There's, doesn't say don't tell the truth, but you ought to do it with grace. The idea of grace is you don't deserve it, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And so when the waitress hasn't filled your cup with water in five minutes, she brings the wrong plate out, you're not like, well, you just went down to 12% on the tip, lady. No, it's thank you, it's okay. See, that's gracious. Your words matter. When you're at the, the checkout line at the Publix and the lady in front of you pulls out her checkbook. It's my mom, by the way, so you better not say anything if, if she does this. And she pulls out a checkbook and you're like, lady, have you never heard of debit cards? You never heard of Apple Pay? That you're patient. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's all right. When you're about to send that email, Right, and you, it's got you know, it, it's got some choice words and some choice attacks, and you're like, this is good, this is really good. 
before you hit send, is it gracious? See, the opposite of gracious is complaining. The opposite of gracious is, is Mr. Know-it-all, always talking, always have to be heard. The opposite of gracious is crude, is always being a critic, always telling what's wrong. There's plenty wrong, we know it. You don't need to be the one who announces it all the time. See, your words to others, to outsiders matter. And there's an assumption, again, you're, you're on mission. You're actually looking for opportunities to be gracious. And then they're to be salty. And the idea with salt is salt is a preservative, but salt, salt makes things better, in their culture especially. I mean, maybe you're like, I don't like salt. Well, that's fine. Right? Go eat your vegan meal, whatever. But most of us like salt. All right? Give me some salt on my popcorn, some butter on my popcorn, give me a Coke and milk duds. That's good. That's glorious. Give me salt. Salt makes things better. And the idea is you, like last week, cookies and cream shake, you make things better. You make things beautiful. Right? You make things attractive by your words. So here's, this is right, right up my alley. You're sitting in the stands watching your kids' athletic events that the crowd is lifted up because you are speaking graciously and kindly. That you're not yelling at the nine-year-old soccer game, at the 15-year-old umpire, whatever soccer, I don't really pay attention, that's not a real sport anyway, but the guy who's in the striped shirt, so you don't pay attention, you're not yelling at the 15-year-old kid who's refereeing the soccer game for your nine-year-old, I can't believe that was a, that was a foul, it was a handball. That, that's not you, right? That you're, you're okay with that. That the way you speak to the coach, if you disagree, or your kid's teacher or your boss, that it actually uplifts. That when you go to the meeting for the committee or the whatever, that you actually make this meeting better because you are winsome and you are gracious and you are kind. Even if you're the boss and you have to correct and you have to kind of move around and get this person to do what they're doing, that you do so in a way that is gracious and kind that is attractive, when you're on the golf course with your buddies, when you're shopping, when you're doing whatever, that the conversation is lifted up because you are there. That's challenging, but that's, that's a way in which you have an impact. In, in Paul in Ephesians, kinda, which is a sister letter to this, he wrote them both the same place, two different churches, similar locations. He says this, don't let corrupting come out of your mouth. It should build up. So ask yourself, before you send the email, before you respond, does this build? If it doesn't build, then don't say it. You're like, well, I'm gonna tear them down and I'm gonna build them up. No, 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 that's not what he says. He says, build. He says, does it fit? Is it fitting? It may be the right content, but the wrong time. Because this person is down or struggling and you coming in is just gonna crush them. So maybe you come back tomorrow. Say, hey, you doing better? Okay, let me just tell you about this and that. It's fitting, and then it gives grace. Again, it gives them what they don't deserve. You say, well, I don't know if I can do that. Well, you, it was done for you. You deserve wrath, God gave you grace. You deserve to be alienated, he has reconciled you. You didn't deserve to have, Jesus didn't deserve to have your sins nailed to his cross. He says, now do that with your lips, with your mouth. And this matters, and Jesus talks, Jesus talks about our words. Let me just let me read this quote from, from the Gospels and then we'll, we'll close and we'll worship. But this is what Jesus says. I didn't put it on the screen, I'm just gonna read it. He says, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Think Jesus thinks your words matter? Every careless word, 
Yep. For by your words you will be justified and your word, by your words you'll be condemned. He's not saying if I'm nice, I get to go to heaven. What he's saying is that the mouth speaks what's in your heart. And so if you're, if you're, if you're Mr. Negative and you're Mr. Critical, and you're, that's what's in your heart and it shows that you're condemned. But if you're kind and gentle and gracious, it shows that that's, that's what's in your heart. And so the idea is we start with the heart. And that happens as we do the first thing, our words to God. You can't go out tomorrow and say, okay, I'm good, I'm gonna be kind tomorrow. That's great, that'll last about three hours. This is why it, it flows out of who you are. It flows out of identity. This is why the, the first part, committed to prayer, there's intimacy with God. I'm walking with Jesus. I'm walking by the Spirit. And the outflow of that is now I'm going to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. You don't, you don't just go out and try real hard. We're not talking about that. We're talking about getting close to the Savior, following Him, and as you are, people will see that you're close to the Savior. Because if you're close to the Savior, the last thing you're gonna do, if Jesus is standing right there, metaphorically, you ain't gonna light this guy up. How'd you like that, Jesus? Was that great? No, you're walking with him. You're going to act in a way that is worthy of the gospel, which is what we've been talking about the whole time. Look, we have, we've been placed on a mission. Jesus has given us a purpose, right? He didn't leave you here and say, okay, I want you to pray and I want you to make the most of your opportunities so that you can just be like, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Isn't that great? Yes, it is great, and you're supposed to, this is why we're investing hundreds of thousands of dollars in putting the scriptures in people's hands in Asia and in the Middle East, because we want to see people come to faith. And that is not my job, it is not Clint's job and the elders, it is our job. And you play a role, and your words to God matter, and your words to people matter. Take out the 88 bucks, get you a brownie, a sweet tea, Maybe even a glass of wine if you're really good. Let me pray and we'll worship. Father, I thank you that you've given us a great tool in our mouth, one that we bless God often and curse men, which just shows our fickleness. But I just pray as a church, we would see the opportunity that you have given us to be your people, a holy priesthood, uh, a, a declaring the excellencies of you who called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And so I just pray we wouldn't waste the opportunities, that we wouldn't walk away shamed and go, oh, we just never do this, but we would see uh, the opportunity, see that we have a privilege uh, to have an impact eternally, that you've given that to us through our words to you, through our words to others. And so let us use them wisely as we go be your church. In Christ's name I pray.